You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It is time. It is time. They can't be the Packers. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. I have my little mini co-host in the studio here. It's my daughter. I don't know if she's going to say anything or not. She's been chatty up until just now. Uh, but here's what's going on. We got a fun conversation today that I had with one and only Coach Haunt. It's been a while since he's been on the podcast. Uh, I called him up. Asked him to look at some of the tight ends that we were going over on, uh, what was it, like two episodes ago now? Um, and that was a really fun deep dive into uh, some of the later round tight ends who could be uh, available and a good fit for the Packers. And so Coach Juan went through some of those guys, broke down some of them, ended up locking in on one that he really, <laughs> yeah, he really liked a lot. And so um, we're going to do that. Um, and then at the end, the audio file that I was working with, with Coach Han, uh, the ending got corrupted, so we lost the outro. So I'm going to come back in and just wrap things up uh, since Coach Han is not going to be able to say goodbye since that audio file got corrupted. So we're going to jump into the conversation right now. All right, welcome back to the podcast, Coach Brian Hahn. Buddy, it's been a long time since you've been on the pod. First and foremost, before we hop into these tight ends, can you tell me what you've been up to? Uh, yeah, things have been a little bit wild, um, a little bit crazy here. For the first time in my adult life, um, I will not be a contracted football coach this year. Um, I've decided to, you know, kind of take a little bit of time off. Um, this is the first time since I graduated high school that all my brothers will be out of the military. So we're going to take some time off this summer, um, take my dad fishing. He really wants to go to a NASCAR race in Indianapolis and all that sort of stuff. So we're going to spend some time with my dad and some time as a family, um, just kind of, you know, appreciating that time that we have uh, before it's too late. Um, I'm still going to be hyper involved in football. Anybody who's who's kind of chatted with me knows that I'm I'm always all in on football. Um, but I won't be a contracted coach. I'll just be there kind of as an advisor and um, really, really looking forward to some family time. And uh, I've, I've always wondered what an August looks like. So I'm finally going to get to see what August looks like. All right, coach. I um, have been dying to get you on here because um, a couple of years ago, you had the um, amazing opportunity to talk to uh, Justin out and about all of the you know, tight end theory and just big brain stuff that you guys like to geek out about that. I know, I don't know a ton about tight ends, um, but you came back and you're like, dude, let me tell you about the three distinct different types of tight ends that the Packers need to have in their offense. You got your inline blocker, you got your receiving threat, you got your H back and you were talking about the importance of that. And so ever since then, I'm always on the lookout for, you know, Hey, we're trying to keep these different 
uh, types of tight ends kind of stocked on the roster. And now this offseason, we lost like most of our tight ends. We got DeGuara, and that's kind of it. You know, uh, Tyler Davis definitely um, had some playing time last year, kind of filling in for Tunyon at times, um, but he was mainly a special teamer. We'll see, you know, if he really takes a step and he gets more involved in the offense this year. Um, but either way, that room is so thin right now, and they have to add numbers to that because you lost Mercedes Lewis probably. Um, hopefully he still comes back, but it, it, it seems at this point I would have kind of expected him to already be back if he was going to be back. And then Tunyon, of course, he's a Chicago Bear now. So we got some shoes to fill. And so I sent you some dudes from this draft class, not like the top dudes. Not I didn't send you Michael Mayer. I didn't send you Darnell Washington. I didn't send you Dalton Kincaid. But I sent you like the next tier of guys who I still think are dudes. And you broke down some tape for us. Let's start with Luke Schoonmaker. And when I sent him to you, I said to me, this is like the closest that I see to that Mercedes Lewis air in this draft class. Um, big uh, blocker from Michigan. Um, big boy, 6'5", 251. Uh, just a, a pretty awesome uh, pass blocker. Um, and then, you know, not too bad of a receiver either. When you watched him, what were your thoughts on this kid? Yeah, man, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. And before we go too far into this, I, ju- I do want to just kind of take some time to remind your your listeners that, you know, when I met with Alton, one of the things that stood out to me the most is you can't expect a splash player at tight end right away. Right. You know, because it, we need to think about what their day is like with the NFLPA and, and restricted practice time and, and mini camps and all that sort of stuff. You have to understand that they, it's really hard for a rookie quarterback to come into the league and know everything there is to know about the offensive line blocking scheme for the run game and then also know all the pass pro and then also know all the pass routes. Now, a rookie tight end coming into the league needs to know everything that a rookie quarterback needs to know. And on top of that, they have to know, okay, if they're coming out in a 5-1 on punt, this is how I block. And then if they come out in a 6-0 on punt, this is how I block. And if they're going to overload a 6-4 and we got return left on kick return, like they need to know all the specials too. So one of the big things Outen was just dominant on in that talk was give them time. Don't expect a splash. Now, that being said, you gave me Luke Schoonmaker to look at first from Michigan. Um, Really, really like this kid. Very strong, very, you know, empathetic blocker. Really likes to finish, especially in the run game, which we love. Um, Very sound blocker. He's a fine receiver. He's not going to blow the doors off or anything, but he's a fine receiver. He can he can win some of those contested balls just using a little bit of his body. Um, Still likes to kind of catch it in the chest a little bit more than we'd like to see. But, you know, using that big frame, that all can be taught. Um, the coolest thing that stuck out to me while watching the tape, and I watched a lot of tape against Indiana because I try to find common opponents when we work through these types of lists, is when working against Indiana, Michigan loved to use him in a nubs set. And what nubs means is he is the inline tight end on the line of scrimmage, and then he's all alone. Everybody else is on the other side. And that shows a lot of trust from both the coaching staff and his offense saying, hey, you're our only receiving threat over here. We know that you're going to do your job in pass pro. We're gonna, you, we know you're going to do your job in, in the run blocking scheme. We know that when we send you out on, on a route, you're going to do the right thing. So seeing a tight end in nubs is a great, great 
sign that they really trust him, that he doesn't have to have any secondary help with an off receiver or a wing or anything like that. So I saw a lot of nubs against Indiana, which is a really good thing. Now, I know you guys really like your your comps and stuff like that, so I try to come up with comps. And again, we talked, you know, we're not looking at the top tier guys. Like, in looking at this, we're not going to find a George Kittle, probably right, not going right. to find a Kelsey. You know, we're not going to find probably even a Mercedes in this, but we can find some really, really good role player types of guys. And in this list you've given me, it's, it, it made me chuckle when I started watching the film because you couldn't have given me two polar opposite groups, more more opposite than what you gave me. You gave me three dudes that do their job really, really well overall, and then you gave me two really good kind of pass-catching tight ends. Schoon is not one of those big-time pass-catching tight ends. He's not going to go seven for 87 and a tutty every week. You don't expect that, but he can go three for 39, keep you ahead of the chains, and really put your your younger quarterback in a good position with his run-blocking stuff. So my comp for this dude, um, if you remember Zach Miller, Zach came out, uh, was drafted by the Raiders, and then eventually went to the Seahawks and was a big part of that Seahawks run um, when they had the Legion of Doom and everything like that. But they also had some pretty good weapons on offense, and Zach Miller was a good part of that. Um, Schoon is that dude. He can He can really finish blocks, takes a lot of pride in blocking, can make the plays when you need it. You know, it's third and four. He can definitely win that spot route. He can definitely open it up. He's not going to take the top off per se, but he's he's a good option. I'm going to say he's, you know, in this list that you've given me, I said, I would say he's my second favorite overall. Okay. One of the things when I'm looking just on paper at these guys, one thing that stands out to me is just how little experience they got pass blocking. You know, a Schoon, of the five guys I had you look at, he had 18 pass blocking reps, and that was by far the most. Uh, one of the guys that we're going to talk about later, who I know is your favorite, but we'll get to him in a bit, he only had two all year. Um, so, you know, they all had uh, plenty of run blocking snaps. Uh, Schoon run blocked uh, 309 times in 2022. Nice, healthy sample size for us to look at. And then, man, uh, as far as those 18 pass blocking reps go, um, you know, such a small sample size. If they want him, any, any of these guys to do it at the next level, you know, that's just something that we're really going to have to work on a lot. For sure. And, and some of that might be limited just by how they use these guys formationally and how they use them in their offense. You know, we're going to take a look at a SDSU kid from South Dakota. We're going to take an NDSU t- kid, you know, that we're formationally and stuff like that with the bison and with the jackrabbits, you know, they do some really, really fun stuff, but it's going to limit what you can do in pass pro. If you're going to line Schoon up in a nub set and ask him to max pro, that means you're asking him to go against a premier edge rusher. So if you're asking me, do you want Schoon out there in pass pro <laughs> against, you know, some of these premier edge Von Miller types, or do you want a Bakhtiari or whoever's going to do that, you know, day in and day out? Well, gosh, I wonder what you're going to answer. Things happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, gosh, I wonder what you're going to a- answer in terms of do we want a tight end blocking Von Miller or not? Right, right. So, you know, formationally, there's some adjustment stuff that you can do there. You can put him as an H-back and have a max pro, sure, but, you know, you got other guys for that. Hey, shout out, though, to uh, Bobby Tunyon last year, uh, or maybe it was the year before. It was the year before because it was the year that he got hurt, 2021, uh, taking on Nick Bosa one-on-one and just making him look silly. I mean, all love to Nick Bosa, but my guy Bobby Tunyon, he just set him right on his butt. I enjoyed watching that. Um one of the things uh, that with Schoon, 
Um, you know, just uh, he is one of the kind of the bigger guys on this list, not the biggest, but um, kind of one of those bigger guys. And I did enjoy a couple of, of reps where I watched him, where it seemed like he was kind of using that frame to kind of box out defenders a little bit. And it, it seemed like, you know, even though, like you said, body catching a little bit more than hands catching, seemed like he he has a good feel for, you know, how some of his physical assets really can be uh, tools and weapons that he should be using. Um, and I like that that felt kind of more natural with him than some of the other tight ends I was watching. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the guy can be absolutely a red zone threat, you know, watching him in, especially in the low red zone against Indiana, you know, there was glimpses of a Kyle Rudolph a little bit more than a Mark Andrews, you know, like there, there, he can definitely be a red zone threat. He can get you some of those contested balls. Like he's good at it. He's not the best one on this list. Good at it, but he's overall, he's a solid sound pick. Like if you pick him in the fifth or sixth round, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Let's talk about uh, my guy Tucker Kraft out of uh, South Dakota State. Here's what I like about Tucker. Um, he does not have the flashiest numbers of all the guys on my, on this list here. But what he doesn't have is like any low numbers or red flags anywhere. He's just solid across the board. Um, this is a guy who, you know, very athletic, um, again, just doesn't blow you away in any one category, but the summation of the consistency that I see on paper with him, I just, I just get so excited when I see that. I'm like, this is a guy who you can depend on day in and out. Yeah. Yeah. If, if there was one thing that he blew everybody else out of the water at, it's this watching the film. This guy is freaking impossible to tackle. He is just so bullheaded when he gets the ball in his hands. He is just like he plays bigger than he is. And that's saying something for 6'5, 255, right? Like he is just a monster with the ball in his hands. He's got no quit. He's got that attitude. He's got that grit. He's got that little bit of nastiness that you really look for in a left guard, but he's wearing it a little more athletically, which is really fun because he also brings that to the run blocking game. And anytime you play at South Dakota State, you know, if you're going to be a tight end there, you're going to be an extension of their offensive line that just happens to wear a cool number, right? So, like, that's what they do with Tucker Craft, and that's what they've done really well with him. Again, he's by far the toughest to tackle. He will run through arm tackles. He'll run through body tackles, leg tackles. He don't care. He's a monster at that very, very sound run blocker as well. I mean, his technique is gorgeous. I would say he's you know, second best with his pad level on this list. Um, he loves to finish. He's got some nasty. He's he's a fun one to watch for sure. Um, little bit of concern. He's not exactly wide receiver like. You know, he's gonna have some drops again with with the body catches. You know, he, he in tight quarters he seems to be more aggressive to the ball than some of these other dudes on the okay. list. But you know, when when you get out in space. You know, he's still kind of tight quartered. He's still kind of alligator armed and stuff like that. And, sure. and we saw that in the Southern Illinois game that I watched. And I watched that one so that I had um, some common opponents as well. You know, you, you saw a little bit of that. Now, dude's still out there making plays. Absolutely impossible to tackle. So much fun watching him. I mean, carrying two, three dudes, you know, throughout the secondary. Just a lot of fun to watch. 
a really, again, really sound bet for you in those later rounds. You know, this is going to be one of those dudes who can kind of do it all again, not seven for 87 in a tutty, but he's going to get three for 39, just like Schoon. Um, it, it, to me, these guys are just kind of on the same tier. They look really good on paper. They play really tough. They take pride in their assignments. Like these are pretty darn good guys to pick up in the later rounds. Yeah. If stats are going to paint any picture for this guy, um, I'll give you a couple. So first of all, he did have nine missed tackles forced. That is second best of this list of guys we're looking at, um, in 2022. Um, he also had 7.7 yards after catch per reception. The other thing, uh, so he was targeted 38 times. Uh, Sports Info Solutions determined that of those 38 targets, only 27 of them were catchable. He caught all 27. Uh, so I like that. If the ball is anywhere within reach of his long arms, he's going to haul it in. Um, but again, you know, uh, it, seems, it seems like a lot of his um, catches are kind of in that wide open space. Um, he had uh, zero contested catches that, he even needed to attempt. He was kind of wide open all the time and he did have two drops. Um, so again, a little bit of a concern there, uh, three touchdowns in the season, 125.8 passer rating when targeted, you know, uh, in terms of, as you're saying, as a receiver, maybe kind of needed to scheme him open at times. Um, but he could still be that sort of, you know, relief valve for your offense when needed. And like you said, you get the ball in his hands. That's where he kind of becomes lethal is now you got this uh, just, you know, bull in a china shop running down the field, knocking guys over at that point, getting that yard after the catch. So I uh, like seeing that. Exactly. And now as we start to see nickels become a little bit bigger in the NFL where you're you're a little more comfortable playing nickel, even dime against 11 personnel in the NFL, you know, these guys are going to become more of a value to have. This is, you know, my comp for him was, was Jack Doyle um, back in the Indianapolis Colts days when, you know, this dude was just impossible to tackle, just get the ball to him. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes that means scheming the ball to him, getting some hard play action, getting some naked boots, you know, trusting him to make that catch doesn't always have to be contested. You can scheme him open because you know Buddy's going to get seven after that just by being a bulldog. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son... And a card says it costs $40. Kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So let's talk about, uh, we had the uh, South Dakota State guy. Let's talk about the North Dakota State guy. This is Noah Gindorf. And I will just say right off the, right off the bat, for his 2022 tape, big negative is there's just not a lot of it. Uh, he missed a lot of the season. And in fact, if you're going to look at his entire NFL draft profile, it's missing a lot of information. He wasn't able to do a lot of the testing at the combine or anything. Um, it's just a very incomplete profile. What I did see, I loved. What did you think, Coach? You know, is this the guy that you're just kind of eh, lukewarm on him because we didn't see very much of him? No, this is my guy out of this list, <laughs> out of this whole list here. These five dudes. This is the dude that I would love to see Green Bay take in the later rounds. Here's why: of the blocking guys, so we got Schoon, we got Kraft, we got Gindorf. Of those guys. He is the best blocker. His pad level is excellent. He explodes on that first step, finishes violently with that second step. He wants to run right through the soul of every defender you see. So the way that I kind of visualize this is you have these three. You got Schoon, you got Kraft, you got Gindorf, kind of all on the same tier as far as receivers. You know, they can you can scheme them open or you can trust them as a check down, whatever. They're going to get the job done. They're not going to be explosive and flashy or anything, but they're going to get you yards and continue the drive. Okay, so they're all on the same tier there. Gindorf is by far the best blocker out of all of them, just by the way that he uses his hips, uses leverage. Wouldn't be surprised if he was a, a wrestler in high school or has a wrestling background, a violent finish, a nasty man. I wanted to text you this, and I didn't do it because I was afraid I'd eat my words, but I'm going to say it now. <laughs> Noah Gindorf is Trevor Penning in an eligible number, and I'm taking that to the grave. This oh my gosh. Not nasty. The reason he's kind of overlooked at times, you said about the injuries, yeah, we get that. But also look at what NDSU is bringing to the draft, right? An FCS program, what yep. we all quantify as a lower program. They've got a left tackle in Cody Mauk, who is by far my favorite player of, of all time. Dude's missing teeth, great big oh, beard. So he looks fun. like the world's so biggest fun. hockey player playing left <laughs> tackle. He's a nasty dude, everything I want. They're bringing a fullback to the draft. And then you've got this tight end who doesn't have, like you said, a complete draft profile. But I'm telling you, this is the dude you want. If you want a way to replace Mercedes, you want a guy who's going to take excellent pride in this. And if you want a way to advance the chains and stay ahead of the chains with an unproven quarterback, like I think we're going to see in Green Bay this year, mm -hmm. this is the way to do it. You've got two excellent, excellent running backs. You've got a tight end who will go all out in the run game, and every once in a while he can catch a pass and make something happen after this. I'm telling you, I love this dude. My comp for him is Nick Boyle, and you and I, uh, and, and some of your listeners may know, um, way back in the early Packernet days, um, when I was a little bit more involved just due to schedule, I took a ton of time, and I really researched the Baltimore Ravens offense, and I loved what they were doing with gap schemes. I loved GT. I loved the way that they were manipulating defenses, and a big part of that was their blocking tight end, Nick Boyle. I mean, they gave him six million a year for a reason before he got hurt, and you don't do that to a tight end that doesn't catch a ton of passes unless he proves himself in the run game. I see a lot of Nick Boyle and Noah Gindorf. I love this kid. I think he's the safest bet. I think he's going to be so much fun. Wherever he lands, I'm going to be a fan of that team. Well, and, you know, you talked about, you know, the, the potential negatives, uh, you know, with 
you know, sort of one of those lower tier programs. And, and, and honestly, one of the, the bigger concerns that I think NFL teams have with that has more to do with like the competition you're playing against. You know, you, you take uh schoon and you know, listen, he went over there and, you know, uh, put Ohio state defenders on their butts. And then, you know, he's uh, catching passes and they, you know, they go to the playoffs, at, you know, last year and the year before, you know, he's, he's, he's been around, he's done it all. He's played Georgia, played TCU, you know, that, that, resume speaks a lot and with Gindorf you know not only did he when he did play he was playing against lesser programs than Georgia freaking Georgia I mean come on I don't think it's too big of an insult to say that uh you know the NDSU opponents are not Georgia um but also you know he wasn't able to play a ton and so hey good news if you're a Packer fan or if you're Brian Gutekunst this might be a guy you could steal later in the rounds and still have every bit as good of a player, if not better than somebody who's going to go in the third round. So very excited about Gindorf. I for sure hope that he's going to be wearing green and gold this fall. Man, I can't agree more. And and I, I totally get the, the, the competition argument, right? But at the end of the day, dude, still play, you know, you're, you're playing D one football, right? You're going against Southern Illinois. You're going against guys that will yep. still play on Sunday. Um, that, that might have been kind of a, a a valid argument, you know, 20 years ago. But you know, we're we're coming out and watching how Carson Wentz do his thing, and you know, you, you've got dudes from D2, even D3 schools. Like some of my favorite players have played a long time in the league from D3 schools. Like if you're good enough, they'll find you. And Noah Gindorf, I believe, is a find. If he's a late round dude, y'all got to steal. Um, I will be a big fan. I'll never like buy or wear a Packer jersey or anything. Um, but I'll go to a game to watch Noah Gindorf play for sure. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a blast. I really hope that uh, we can turn that face mask green. Let's talk about Sam Laporta. So earlier I mentioned that uh, Tucker Craft had nine missed tackles forced. Sam Laporta has freaking twenty. Um, so uh, I, I will point out a couple of little negatives. And, and this this also applies to the next guy we're going to talk about as well. A um, little bit lower numbers in terms of receiving. So uh, for Sam Laporta, 75.6 passer rating when targeted. That's below average. Um, also, in terms of passes that were deemed catchable, only 82% of those did he haul in. So um, and, and that was a, a huge sample size, though. He was targeted 90 times. He did have 58 receptions. So, you know, big sample size. Big body work, and he did do a lot with that. Um, but you know, some of that consistency, I don't think is quite there. But I'm nitpicking. There's a lot to love about Sam Laporta. Um, you know, super athletic, a little bit shorter than the rest of the guys we're talking about here. You know, we've talked about uh, a six four guy, two six five guys. Sam Laporta coming in at six three. I don't think this is my opinion. I don't think that you need to, you know treat him like an H back. I think that he can still just be your, you know, do everything tight end, be a big receiving threat for the Packers. Um, but just something to be mindful of, I guess, if you are, um, you know, the, uh, what the heck is the guys? Um, we have the new tight ends coach for, uh, the Packers we got from the jets. What is his name? I say his name all the time. I have Justin out on the, on the brain. I can't think of the new guy's name. Um, but anyways, there's a lot to love with Sam Laporta. What did you think coach when you were watching him? Yeah, um, so this is kind of on the opposite side of what we had talked about already with Schooncraft and Gindorf, is this isn't the guy that you're going to be asking to block all the time. These next two dudes um, have some liabilities in the run-blocking game, 
um, some liabilities and, and pass pro, like these aren't your blocking tight ends. This is the other side of the coin, right? And, you know, we talked about the the versatility of the position and how you have to be kind of a couple of different body types. And this is, you know, albeit a little bit shorter at 6'3", this is the body type that you're looking for to be that receiving tight end. Now, <laughs> um, as as a lifelong uh, Big Ten fan, as a guy who grew up watching Big oh, Ten. I thought you were going to say as a lifelong short guy. As a lifelong short dude, I'm going <laughs> to give you that as well. You know, I'm I'm closer to 6'3 than I've ever been uh, when I put my boots on. Um, I'm telling you, like, um, there's not a lot to love about Iowa's offense in the last couple of years, right? Oh, so no. Some of that is. Unless you love nepotism. <laughs> in which case, sure, you know, <laughs> that parent's tree is, you know, a stick in the ground. Anyways, um, you know, there, there's not a, lo- a lot to love about that Iowa offense. Haven't done a lot of great things. The lone bright spot, I would say, would be Sam Laporta. Listen, the guy's an excellent, excellent athlete. He's very fluid, you know, with yards after the catch, with what he can do with the ball in his hands. He is kind of the polar opposite of Tucker Craft. He's not always going to run through dudes. He's that weaver. He's that glider. He can make dudes miss. He's got good speed. He's really got good movement in the open field. He's just awesome with the ball in his hands. Um, but he's probably not your inline guy. So my comp, and please don't stab me when I'm going to work, Packer fans, but my my comp is Bob Tunyon. It's Darren Waller. It's those type of guys who are probably serviceable in line, you know, can can do some things from time to time. You just talked about Tunyon and his job with Bosa. Yeah, absolutely can do it, but he's not going to be the world beater there. He's not going to be your always trust that guy. Right. He's not going to move a three-tech off his spot when you're running duo. You know what I mean? So he is more of that receiving threat, and if that's what you're looking for, if you can maybe double up and pair him with one of these bigger dudes, how cool would that be? But he's not going to be that reliable nubs type like Schoon has been or like Gindorf can be. You know what I mean? Like he's just going to be a really, really good receiver who's bigger than a nickel and more physical than a safety. Um, looking at, at, at Sam Laporta, when you know when when you're really prioritizing him as a receiver, and um, and coach, I, I know that you like to just really focus on the positives of these, of these guys. So that's why I'm kind of being the one to say, all right, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses. One of the things that I would like to see Sam work on at the next level is a little bit better uh, ball security. He had a fumble and six drops, um, which, you know, for a guy who, you know, blocking is not his main game. I would like to see him develop that at the next level. Um, if he's going to really be a full-time, you know, uh, route runner. Uh, that's, that's, I, I just want to have a little bit more trust that, Hey, you know what, we're, we're giving you these targets. I want to make sure that you're, uh, you know, putting ball protection, uh, uh, far and away above everything else, because, you know, for, for me, the biggest thing that I want in a tight end is that blocking second base biggest has to be that dependability, um, and ball security. For sure. And um, you're absolutely right. We always can find things that we're always able to grow and develop and some of that. But some of that, honestly, JJ, does come down to the law of averages. Like he was the lone bright spot in Iowa's offense for two and a half years. You know, like you've you've got to understand that the man's had a lot of targets. He's had a lot of opportunities. Sometimes fumbles will come. You know, we see Aaron Jones fumble more than we would like to see. But we also see him 
carry the ball a lot and get the ball in his hands on a swing a lot and, and on a bubble stick and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, you're definitely wanting to improve that and you definitely need to focus on that and work on that. But at the same time, um, the, the, you know, I've, I've seen some guys crucify him for that. And I'm, and I'm not saying you are, but I've seen some guys really not, yeah. him for that. And I'm like, we, we don't have to do that because he was Iowa's offense, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and to my point about the passer rating when targeted, let me just say passer rating to anybody else on that team may as well have been a zero, uh, in that offense. Just, just throwing that out there. All right. We got one more guy to touch on. This is, uh, Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion. And, um, I'm just gonna, I just gotta add one little thing about Zach Kuntz. He was listed at number 11 overall on Bruce Feldman's, Feldman's freaks list for 2022. And I always pay attention to the guys on that list first and foremost, because I know, especially when you see a guy as high as freaking 11, you're about to see an absolute alien. And at six foot seven, 255 pounds, this guy does not disappoint. Perfect 10 RAS. By the way, for those who care, that's awesome. I don't really know much about RAS, but I will confirm this: dude is an alien. And I'll tell you, this is the most fun film you can watch. We were talking just a bit before this. You know, I watched that Old Dominion film a lot. Watched a lot of it against Virginia Tech because I want to see what they can do against you know that it, when body types are a little bit more. Um, conducive to what you're going to see in the NFL. And I'm telling you, this was super fun film to watch because you never had to look for Zach Koontz. Like <laughs> some of the other guys, you're looking for, you know, Schoon, you're looking for Gindorf, you're looking for Laporta, and you're checking the numbers to make sure that they weren't subbed out or whatever. You don't ever have to do that with Zach Koontz. You know exactly who he is the second the clip fires up on the monitor because the dude just towers above everybody else. He is massive. He might be under, under, rated at six, seven. The dude is a monster. Wow. He's a power forward. He just looks huge. And the cool thing about old dominion is they straight up said, like, we know he plays tight end, but we've got one of the best athletes. We have the best athlete on the field against many times you know, they play William Mary, stuff like that. They've got the best athlete on the field. So they don't care. They're going to line him up at X. They're going to line him up at Z. They're going to line him up at H. They're going to line him up at Y. They'll put him anywhere they think they can get the advantage. And that's what they get is the advantage. He's an unbelievable athlete, just a freak. We said it, just a freak, an alien. He's big. He is very coordinated. He's very in control. He's also, for his frame, a little light in the pants and can get pushed around quite a bit. I was pretty disappointed watching some of the run blocking stuff where they had him running some pin and pull and he got shoved right down the line. You know, that sort of stuff kind of comes at you. But if we're hanging, what, what does the expression light in the pants mean? It's just like he doesn't have that like low center of gravity or what? Correct. He's a little light in the pants, meaning, you know, he doesn't have a low center of gravity. He plays a little high in his pads and light in the pants means you're a little bit light. You can, you can get pushed around a little bit. You, you know, if you're going to be six, seven and, and six, eight, you know, two, you want to see if you're a tight end at, at six, eight, you want to see 275, homie, because we're looking at dudes right now. It's six, four, 255. Right. You're wearing right. the same weight they are and you're holding four more inches. Like we want to see a little more on that frame sometimes. You know what I mean? But weight isn't everything. I've, I've won conference championships with a right tackle who weighed 175. So we're fine on that. But you want to see him play through that and play with leverage. Sure. I don't sure. see that all the time with Zach Kuhn. So he's going to be a blocking liability. However, absolutely bananas 
when he's allowed to run in the open field. Like, it's just, this dude is wild as a receiving threat. So my comp to him, and it, it this is the biggest gamble that we're going to see on the board, right? We know he's an unbelievable athlete. How good is he at football overall, right? We know he transferred from Penn State because he probably wasn't going to see a lot of field time, had to go to a bit smaller school. So my comp for him, I really went out into the bushes, but this is what remind, like when I first started really falling in love with football in 2012, 2013, and really trying to study it, I did a lot of work with a guy that the Chiefs had on the roster named Demetrius Harris. He was a basketball oh, player man. from UW-Milwaukee way back in the day. You know, never played football in college because Milwaukee didn't have a program. Chiefs drafted him, really tried to work him, develop him, made him into a decent receiving threat, caught three, four tutties a year, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, That's my comp for Zach Koontz. All the ability in the world, let's just really teach him how to use it. You know what I mean? Not saying that Old Dominion didn't do that, but also Old Dominion didn't have everything they had riding on him. So if, if Zach Koontz walks into a tight end room, you know, how much is he going to give you on specials? I don't know. How much is he going to give you in the run game? I don't really know. But can he be the dude that can blow the game wide open? It, it, you know, the the athleticism says he might be. Yeah, that, that is a very rare body that he's walking around in. And if you can get him to the point where he really is unla- unlocking that full potential, maybe shove a couple cheeseburgers in him as well, put a couple extra pounds on him, um, you know, that he, he could be special. Um, and I do know, you know, we've seen time and time again that the Packers really do like to take chances on some of these, you know, uh, really developmental athletic freaks. You think about like a Yash Nyman, or we got another guy on the roster right now, like six foot 11 tackle or however tall he is. Caleb Jones, just an absolute monster. He's only been with the program for one year. Um, Really excited to see what he turns into down the road. Hope he can stick around because, you know, again, you see, you know, some of these guys. And, you know, another guy who kind of, you know, reminds me is Dewan Jones out of Ohio State. You know, he was like in the, you know, he was, he was like a, you know, prospect in like the four or five hundreds or, or, or later. And everybody just said, you know what? He's very raw, but he's so big. If he can ever, you know, figure it out between the ears. This kid is going to be a monster. And now he's being bandied about as maybe he's going to go toward the end of the first round of the NFL draft. Who knows? That would be incredible. Um, but, you know, looking at Zach Koontz and and just the rare athleticism that, athleticism that he brings, it's kind of impossible not to get excited about what you could do with him, especially if he's willing to put in the work. Yeah, that that potential is is really unlimited. But one of the most dangerous words in sports is potential, right? Like, how many times can you look at a high school squad or a college squad and be like, yo, this dude is athletically a freak, but just maybe just doesn't get it or maybe just doesn't right. want it. And that's fine. But, you know, right. like you have to take that with a grain of salt. So I think one of the things that's that's cool about Zach Kuntz, not cool, but like p- perhaps enticing is, you know, coming off of that season ending knee injury, um, all things point towards everything's good. The year before that, dude had like 73 or 75 catches or something absurd like that. Just went bananas. Um, Old Dominion obviously ran their offense through him, loved everything that they had. And the cool thing is, you know, when that knee injury happened, when you when you do a little research on it, every single one of his teammates, every single one of his coaches are all in the media immediately, you know, pulling for the kid. 
you know, saying he's at every practice still. He's he's around on the cart. Like the kid loves football from all accounts that we've gotten. And he's an excellent teammate. He, he, he's somebody that can bring that locker room up. So if you're going to take a flyer on a kid, if you're going to roll the dice on just an athletic talent that's wild and you get the ability to not, you know, have a, a locker room distraction, that's a good one. All right, so it's me and my other co-host. And uh, we're back. Again, the uh, outro for this recording did get lost, unfortunately. thought we had it. Uh, but I want to encourage all of you guys to go follow Coach Hahn on Twitter, at Coach Hahn. And Coach, if you do happen to listen to this, I super, super appreciate having you come on here and talk ball and talk about these prospects and whether they end up being Packers or, you know, go to some other team. Obviously we wish them the best in the NFL and man, more than one of these guys excites me a lot to the point where I absolutely would just kill to see, uh, some of these guys like, uh, like Noah Gindorf or, or Schoon rocking the green and gold. Uh, really hope that we get to see that. Thank you, everybody who listened to this podcast. Appreciate you. Back here on the Packernet Podcast Network in just a couple days.